wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 291 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. Give me a weekly update, Mrs. Jones. Well, we got to teach this week at the Legacy School of Ministry, which was wonderful. Our dear friends Lyle and Alison Phillips yes. have a wonderful church here in Nashville called Legacy Nashville. Yeah. They launched a school this year, wasn't it? Like yeah. This is their inaugural year, yep. and they were very kind enough to invite us to go and teach on relationships. Which was wonderful. Which was a lot of fun. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about that in our main topic, but was there yeah. anything, any other stories you wanted to add about that? I mean, I just loved being with the students. They're very, they're all very sort of hungry and engaged and ask great questions. And the staff was amazing. So it was just like, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved all of it. I love that environment. I love schools. Like I love school of ministries. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I love getting to be with students for an extended period of time. Right. And teach and impart and do Q&A. And they were great. I think it's different because you have a group of people that are, choosing to put a year aside Mm -hmm. to get more of God and they've invested towards that. So I think you, you know, you tend to show up differently in those environments and you You show up differently or, well, they, they show up differently. Like it's not just an hour of church a week, you know, you, as a student, you show up differently and you're, you're coming to get something more, Yeah, but I think it also draws something different out of the teachers. I remember hearing, I forget who said it, but I remember hearing, a friend of ours say that there are stories, testimonies, and teachings that they can only do at, say, conferences and schools that they can't do on Sunday mornings. And I said, why? And they said, well, on conferences and schools, people have put uh, – they're there deliberately. They've usually paid money to be there. Yeah. They're taking time out of their schedule. And so the appetite and the faith level is higher to hear, whereas on a Sunday, people have just kind of what you're saying just rolled up. And it's not quite and casting your think, pearls before swine, but... Well, I don't think you can just blanket say that. I know tons of hungry people that show up on Sundays. No. But, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, there is something about people are hungry and they draw things yeah, out Yeah, different of things, yeah. Yeah, so it's great. I loved it. Do you want to talk about uh, your Christmas present? I'm almost embarrassed to say I got it for you for Christmas, but you were happy with it. I was. I was, yeah, I was thrilled when it came. Wait, I'm not feeling the thrilled right now. I was like, (laughs) I was wondering if you're talking about, uh, for a second I was like, well, there was two dud Christmas presents. And (laughs) and then there was Yeah, I wasn't bringing up the dud ones. I was bringing up the good one. (laughs) But we got to use one last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a deep fryer, (laughs) which I never, (laughs) I never would have thought. No, but I wanted it. You yeah. knew I wanted it. It's not diamonds from Tiffany's. No, it's not. It's a no. deep fat fryer. It's a deep fat fryer. We did try it a couple weeks ago, and it didn't go that well, but I think because we did some things wrong. and Well, there's two problems that we did wrong. We, we used the wrong kind of oil. We used the wrong kind of oil, which was more expensive than gasoline. Oh, my gosh. It was so expensive. We bought avocado oil because we wanted to be healthy. Right. And and then to get it to the fill level, like the it was minimum fill like $64. Full oh, yeah. It was like... <laughs> More than it takes to fill our car with gas. And then we were doing fish for fish tacos. Our house was thick Oily with, fish. Oh, oh it, was it was gross. Oh. And then our friend Matt said, oh, I use a deep fat fryer outside. And we're like, revelation. <laughs> so we fixed that problem by getting peanut oil. Yes. So we have peanut oil. It's probably not the best oil I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. But it was cheap. Yeah. So we got peanut oil and ran it outside so our whole house isn't smelling of oil. 
And we just did some Brussels sprouts, and they turned out wonderful. Oh my gosh, oh, they turned out amazing. They're so good. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need to go out anymore. Because well, I'm going out for lunch today, and I'm going to order the Brussels sprouts that I like, and I'm just going to compare because I think we might have done it a little bit too long. I don't think we did. You don't think you thought it was perfect timing? Well, I mean, I'd maybe back off like thirty seconds, or maybe get bigger Brussels sprouts because they're quite small. Oh well, yeah. I think we just ended up with lots of crunch and not much body. I don't know. I I I I don't know that I agree. I liked I liked our scenario. I was like between sous viding our steaks and being able to now make our own roasted Brussels sprouts. I don't know that I need to leave the they're house. Not roasted, they're deep well, no, fried. Well, no, deep fried. I mean, but yeah, no, it, was, it was spectacular. It was very good. I have, as well, you know, had a an existential crisis and a love affair that I want to talk about in our weekly oh, catch up. Okay. Go ahead before people get concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a little bit about this. If if you're a member, you already know about this. So on our member forum, I, I posted a little article about this. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know how I got I don't know how I got into it. I have I've friends who are in this space. I don't know whether somebody sent me a link to it, but probably by now you've heard of Chat GPT. It's an artificial intelligence. I sure have. <laughs> I've heard about it a lot. <laughs> Boy, howdy, have I heard about it. (laughs) So ChatGPT is a chatbot. And you all know what chatbot is because you pretty much do that every day. So every time you text somebody and you get a response from somebody, that is in essence what chatbot looks like. You put in some text into a field, you get text in response to that. But usually you're with another human It's coming from another person, yes. And so ChatGPT is this large language model, open AI that's been trained on vast amounts of literature and content. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, historically, AI has been really easy to fool. Like, it can't pass the Turing test, which is, you, as a human, you can very quickly tell it's not a human I'm speaking to. Your geekiness is showing right now. Uh, uh, go ahead. No, it's cute. But this thing freaked me out. I know. No, no. I don't think you know. No, you, you started yelling in your office. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, woo, woo! I was like, what? What is happening? Is the world coming to an end? Are you no, I took it through my own yeah. Turing test. And I, you know, asked it a bunch of questions, sequential questions. I asked it, you know, and for whatever reason, it was deeply unsettling to me for a variety of reasons. And uh, that this is not the point of our discussion. Oh, good. Other <laughs> than to say, I stress tested it a lot and was freaked out. At one point, I asked it if it knew French. And I said, yeah, I know French. So I started speaking to it in French. And the first thing I said when it responded back to me in English it corrected the grammar of my French. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how we want to flex, is it? <laughs> so it's a very comprehensive model. It has now passed uh, one of the medical tests and one of the, the bar exams. Um, it's very, very advanced and has significant limitations. But it's only a matter of time before those limitations are eroded. Okay. All right? Yeah. The only other time I felt like this is when the World Wide Web, and I was old enough to know, to be there, when the World Wide Web got unleashed, it was a level playing field for pretty much everybody. Mm. And, and by everybody, I mean the general public. Obviously, people who were in the computer science domain were years ahead. But I remember it was my first year of university, and me and the lecturers were on the same playing field because this technology just got released, yeah. and I had more time than them. And, and so I excelled 
in my understanding of this topic than they do. Not because I was smarter than them. I just had more time. It and also more might have something to do with your personality. That's like I also you, didn't you, sleep. You deep dive into yeah. anything that's interesting, and, and and so this feels like another watermark era that's coming. And so it's now reached public consciousness. This is, I guarantee you, not the first time you've heard someone talk about ChatGPT. Yeah. So I then played around with some other technologies. I started playing around with some video editing stuff mm-hmm. and was amazed at what it could do. For example, when I'm, let's say you and I are filming something and I realize you missed out a word. Now I don't need you to come back in and do ADR, additional dialogue recording. I can just have the AI. I can type in and say, make AJ say this, and it will speak your voice out. And it's <gasps> near indistinguishable from you. Okay. Well, just so you know, if you ever like play back something I said, supposedly, I'm You're never going to believe you. AI. Yeah, I'm just going to. Anyway, I got lost for a weekend. And I, I didn't go off the deep end, but I was really. Oh, you went fully off the deep end. <laughs> You got up at like three in the morning one morning. I come out in the, it's like Saturday morning and I come out at like eight. I'm like, where'd you go? And you're like, babe, babe, listen to this. And it was And it was at pages. that point you banned me from speaking to you about I was AI. just like, well, because you read me the pages. But you didn't seem pages. freaked out by it. Why were you not freaked out by it? Because I, I, it's not worth it to me to get freaked out by something like that. Okay. Well, have you seen the Terminator and do you know what happens with Skynet? Yes, it's a movie. It's a documentary. It is. <laughs> anyway, having spent a weekend really impressed, but also very, quite scared about the implications of this technology. Okay. And talking to some friends about it who are far smarter than me and far more well-versed. Within a week, I began thinking, so ChatGPT is trained on you know, literature is trained on scientific stuff. I mean, it's just trained on a vast amount of material. I was like, what if I trained an AI bot on all of the content of our podcast? Of course you did. I don't know why I thought this would be a great idea. Yeah, I don't know why either. <laughs> so I spent an evening... Creating. Well, it was a lot of fun because I, you know, I'm a bit of a computer nerd and I haven't had a lot of time okay, just, to be a computer nerd a for a while. Just a bit of a so computer nerd. You wrote, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I wrote a script that downloaded all 290 episodes of our podcast, uh-huh. even though I have them on my hard drive, but it was faster to get them off the internet than locate them on my hard drives. Okay. So the the computer downloaded all episodes, Yeah. then fed it through an AI called Whisper, which yeah. is a, a audio to text transcriber. Yes. And it is near human. I mean, I had to do very little correction on it. It 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 is excellent. So it downloaded 290 episodes and I don't know how long our episodes I don't know how many hours of audio that is. I should have looked at that. A ton. It then listened to it and transcribed it all into text. Yes. And then I fed the transcriptions of that into a bot and I ran into my first problem in that it was a bit too much text for the model I was using. Okay. So then what I did was I curated it and thought, I'm going, to make, I'm going to make a feelings bot. So I just took the 12 episodes we did on feelings, alanaj.com uh-huh. slash feelings, yes. if you want to listen to them. Yes. Downloaded them all, fed it into this bot, and we now have a feelings bot where you can ask it any question you want about feelings. Yes. And it's not like a Google search where it will just kind of mine keywords and spit it back. It can synthesize the content and give you answers related to what you're saying. And sometimes it works really well, to the point where, again, I don't know whether to be freaked out, 
or whether to be impressed. But then sometimes it shows you that it didn't work that well at all. Other times you get yeah. either hilarious or horrifying yeah. results. <laughs> so I thought what we'd do oh, no. is I would, because you seem reluctant to do this. Okay. I want you to ask uh, the bot some questions. Which I, bot am I asking? Well, Because uh, you made a couple, didn't well, you? Well, yeah. Then I became an animal and I did a feelings bot, a relationships bot, a boundaries bot, and another bot that I'll tell you about in a second. Oh, so this is a new bot that I don't know about? What do you wonder about regarding feelings? It says, hi there, feelings bot here. How can I help you today? Can you ask it? Uh, I'm feeling overwhelmed by my husband's fascinations yeah. with AI. I am feeling... Overwhelmed by my husband's obsession. Sure. What should I do? What? <laughs> what should I do? All right. Let's see what it says. And in real time, it says, you should talk to him about it. It's his responsibility to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amen, how, brother. How do I get started talking to my husband? about a potentially difficult topic. Start by talking about with him. It's important to have open and honest conversations about difficult topics so you can work through them together. All right, this is very like baseline right, elementary right. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the relationship bot. Do you have any relationship questions you'd like to ask? What do I do when my husband keeps asking me questions all the time? And I want him <laughs> to stop. All right, come on then. A relationship bot. Confront him as soon as possible. Yes. He probably wants to talk about what's going on in his life, and you should be willing to listen. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it really? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. All right, give me another question. Um, How do I have healthy boundaries with my spouse when I'm feeling overwhelmed? When I feel overwhelmed. It's important to remember that boundaries are meant to protect you and your relationship. When you're feeling overwhelmed, it's important to talk to your spouse about what's going on. You can discuss how you're feeling, and your spouse can help you understand what's responsible for each of your feelings. You can also discuss how you would like the relationship to proceed. If the relationship is ending, good Lord, you can talk about what needs to happen for both of you to be happy. <laughs> so your mileage uh, you know, will vary with these Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But then what I did was I... I managed to find a way to feed all 290 episodes yeah. of Keeping Up With The Joneses to one megabot. Oh. So it's not just trained on a subset. We have a megabot? We have a megabot. Oh, I'm so excited about that. And I'm wondering if you'd like to ask the megabot a question. Oh, uh, I don't know if I do. <laughs> the, pressure, the pressure of talking to the megabot. Now, I should warn you that when I asked the megabot... Uh, what this podcast episode should be about. So I've given it 290 of them. Right. So, so I just what said, should we do the next one? I said, what should our next podcast be about? Yeah. It said, our next podcast episode could be about the process of moving and all the changes that come with it. It could include stories about packing up, saying goodbye to old places, and adjusting <laughs> to new ones. It could also include tips and advice for anyone else who's going through a move. I'm like, what does it know about <laughs> us that we don't know? Wait a minute. Then I said, write a compelling email to invite people to listen to the latest episode, Keeping Up With The Joneses, which is all about using your past to uh, pioneer your future. Yes. Right? And it said, dear listeners, 
We're excited to invite you to listen to the latest episode of Keeping Up With The Joneses. This episode is special because it is the last one we will be recording in our current studio. We are moving and this is our last <laughs> chance to share our thoughts and experience with Why you. Why does it think we're moving? <laughs> we will be discussing how to use our past experiences to create a better future. We will also be talking about how to stay motivated and inspired during times of transition. We hope you'll join us for the special episode and be part of our journey as we move forward. You're beginning to see why I'm freaking out, right? What does it know about us? I think it's piecing together transition with moving. Correct. But yes. go on. Here's the Megabot. What do you want to ask the Megabot? Can you ask it some examples of healthy boundaries? Examples of healthy boundaries include setting limits on how much time and energy you're willing to give to others, being honest and direct about your needs and expectations, and respecting the boundaries of others. Additionally, it is important to be aware of your own boundaries and to be able to recognize when they're being crossed. That's a pretty good That's answer. That's really good, yeah. All right. One more. Okay. I did want it to come up with an episode and then maybe it use my voice and your voice to generate the episode. And my question for the listeners is, how can you be confident that's not happening right this minute? <laughs> that sounds pretty creepy, I have to say. Right. We're touching my fear. Right. Next question. It's the Megabot. You can ask it anything you want. What is a narcissist? I don't think we've done an episode on narcissism, so I'll be interested to see what it comes up with. A narcissist is someone who has an excessive interest in themselves and their own needs and often lacks empathy for others. They may also be manipulative and take advantage of others to get what they want. Oh, that's good. Go on, give me one more because I could do this all day. What are practical ways I can reinforce how much I love my family? Let's see what it says. It says, hang in there, I'm thinking. Practical ways to reinforce your love for your family could include spending quality time with them, expressing your appreciation for them, and showing them acts of kindness. You could also make an effort to listen to them and be present in conversations. Additionally, you could pray for them and encourage them in their faith. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> I'll put a link in the show note where you can play around with all four bots. Yes. And have but, some fun but, with them. But keep in mind, they say some crazy things sometimes. They do, yeah. They're, they're not fully... They're, they don't have any human guidelines or buffer so you might right, get, there's no filter <laughs> no there's definitely no filter so i asked it i'm feeling sad what should i do about that and it said it's important to practice feeling sad instead of trying to squash it down or put it under a rock you can also try to focus on all the things you're grateful for and avoid ever feeling sad <laughs> <laughs> additionally you can read scripture and memorize it to remove yourself from a relationship with sadness oh my gosh so but you know, there are people that kind of do a version well, of that <laughs> well there is so have fun with that. Knock yourself out. Send us the craziest answers you get. And I apologize in advance if it tells you to do something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So quickly look at your phone. If it says it's February 20th, as you're listening to this, it is the last day to register to do the Finding Father course with me. So go ahead and uh, register today if you're going to join us. I think we're going to have a wonderful time together. Yeah. And if you're listening to this any other time, uh, apologies, you missed it, but we did kind of talk about it. We did. Yeah, we talked about it. the last couple of weeks. There you go. And you can always get a copy of the book and you can go through it yourself. Yes. All right. Our main topic stems from a couple of contemporary things that are happening. Yes. Temporary, is that the right thing? Well, current. Current. Yeah, current things are happening. So I think it was, uh, I think it was February 8th. Okay. Wednesday, February 8th. There is a, I don't, I've never been, I don't want to say it's small, but there is a university about four hours away from Nashville, Tennessee. In Kentucky. Called? Asbury. Asbury. Mm -hmm. And uh, word began to spread pretty quickly that they're having a revival on campus. Yes. It started on the Wednesday, February 8th. Mm -hmm. 
And to my understanding, I might have these facts wrong because, you know, it's been running for not that long. I think it's been running since then nonstop. It's hard to get information about it, but I think they had their chapel service. The presence of God showed up and people didn't stop worshiping. Beds were brought in and people have been there continually since then. Yes. And it's praise and worship. And I found out about it because our dear friend. Yes. And spiritual father, John Arnett, called yeah. and said, hey, have you heard about this revival? And I was like, I hadn't. But yeah. of course, John's going to know about it yeah. before anybody else. Of course. So he said, hey, it's near you. So we haven't had a chance to go see it and be Not with yet, it. yeah. But we've had people contacting us going, hey, can you do a podcast episode on the Asbury revival? I'm like, no, because we haven't been there. Right. But I love that that's happening. Yeah. And then on Monday when we went to be with the students at Legacy, some of the students had driven up to see what was happening yeah, and then driven home through the night. So bless them, they hadn't slept. Right. And so we show up to teach at the school. Yeah. And of course there's... They're just laid out all over the floor. There's bodies laid out, people are singing. Yeah. And of course the staff are like, you know, what do you want to do? And we're like, oh, guys, like we'll defer to you. We, you know, we've come to serve you. And so we don't need to teach and we we trust you to go where you want to go or do what you want to do. Yeah. And it brought up that interesting question, or questions rather, mm-hmm. about what is revival, what does revival look like, when is it revival? Because revival means something to everybody. Yeah, and and each revival really has looked a little different from the ones previous. Right, and sometimes people call things revival, we're going to have a revival meeting, and they just mean a style of meeting rather than right. a revival itself. Right. And then, of course, just you know, browsing through social media, already people have an opinion of whether it is a move of God or whether it isn't. Which I think is super scary mm. since this thing's a baby. Like it's, it's AI level yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, just a couple of days old, really. Right. And so, I, you know, I, I think we're going to talk about this, but I, I think it's scary that we're we're already trying to form opinions. And probably a lot of people forming opinions haven't even been. Yes. So, I, what I thought would be fun to do, because yes. we shared a little bit of this with the students. Yeah. Because basically what happened is we deferred to the leadership, and the leadership was like, yeah, I, I you know, I think we're going to transition a little bit and... And we were feeling some stuff about, you know, what to speak into it. Because mm-hmm. we've been through that situation where the Holy Spirit starts moving. Yes. And you're like, uh, is this what the Holy Spirit wants to do? Do we... I mean, we go right. through this many, every many, single many Sunday times. at Grace Sure, Center. sure. Like, do we stop worship? Do we transition to speaking? Sure. What if we do? Will we offend the Holy Spirit? Will he come back? You know, and, and so on and so forth. And so we've been in that situation hundreds of times in our lives. Yeah. And we shared two or three things with the students. But the more we thought about it, we want to share about five or six things related to revival, a move of the Holy Spirit, etc. Yeah. So it's a loose, a rambling yeah. conversation yeah. about revival. And I would like to know, we have not been to Asbury yet. I would like to go. I would like to go too. And apparently, I heard yesterday that something similar is happening at Lee University. I heard now. that this morning at breakfast. Yeah. yeah. So... I mean, God's up to something. I love it. So, pretty cool. I think one of the most important things, out of many important things, is to resist the temptation to be the flesh police. Yes. And what I mean by that is resist the temptation to decide whether something is or isn't of God, especially if you've never been. Or resist the temptation if you go to decide in your mind, like looking at different people and going, well, that looks like God and that can't be God. Right. Because that's actually not our job. 
And none of us are equipped with a Holy Spirit Geiger counter right? that we can read and go, oh, yeah, that person's just in the flesh. Mm, no, that person's having a genuine encounter with yes. God. And I think part of why we do that is in our fear, we, we want comfort with certainty. And you ain't going to get that mm. because you're just not. Jesus taught about tear and wheat growing up at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And we're just not skilled enough, and that's also not our job. And so... Be very, very cautious. I, I remember you saying in the midst of revival in Toronto, you would have people, you know, hosting news, you know, radio shows and writing blog posts and books and papers about why it's not of God and they'd never come. And they hadn't come. There's people, well, one specific person, I, I mean, people wrote a book about why it wasn't God and they never had actually come. So you're just like, okay. When I get confident that I think I know what God's doing, I know I'm in trouble. Right. But I like to think about how good would I have been about evaluating Jesus' ministry, right? I'm a young boy in Israel, and I hear about this person that some people are saying the Messiah. Right, and it's nothing like what you thought I've it been trained like. my whole life to look for the Messiah. Yeah. And the particular day that I come to see is it the Messiah happens to be the day that Jesus is casting out of a demon out of the demoniac in the Gerasenes. Sure. And so I show up, and I don't actually quite know what's happening, but all I see is a herd of pigs throwing themselves off a cliff. Right. And I come to the conclusion, well, that's not God, because where's that in the Torah? Right. And I leave thinking. Or flipping over tables in the temple. Or, you know, there was there was so many things that Jesus did that that aren't what people expected. Yeah. For all the years that I traveled with John and Carol and all the exposure I've had, there are still times when I cannot tell if what's happening is the Holy Spirit if it's the flesh of man, or if it's demons. Right. Which sounds crazy. You would think it would be obvious. And to be clear, at times Sometimes it's really it's very obvious. obvious. Sure. You know, Jesus is in the business of healing the sick. The devil isn't. So if somebody gets healed, that's amazing. That's right. not the flesh. Right. Look at that. They got out of a wheelchair. They're walking. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. For the most part, the demonic's more obvious than, right. Look than knowing, is it just the flesh? Like, is it somebody who's... I don't know, being emotional or... So the extremes you know. are easy to spot. Sure, sure, sure. But other times, yeah. I, I remember I remember a time being with John and Carol, and we were in, I forget where we were, I think it was Virginia Beach. I think that's what was happening. Right? Okay. And I remember this because it was such a stark contrast. I was, I was at the back manning a camera, so I'm like on a raised platform, and Bill Johnson happens to be speaking that night. Yeah. And Bill is sharing a really poignant, moving story about his father dying, passing away from cancer. And a man comes up to me as I'm on the camera, and he is ticked. And he says to me, you're helping lead this thing? I need you to shut down those people. And I said, which people? And in front of Bill, as Bill is speaking, uh, there are all these people who are rolling around on the floor laughing. Yeah. And this person's feeling was, it's really disrespectful like he's they're they're making so much noise they're interrupting the story. I can't hear him properly, right? And it's really disrespectful. It can't be the Holy Spirit because he's talking about the passing of his father, and these people are laughing. Yeah. So again, I don't have a Holy Spirit Geiger counter. I, I really don't. Right. But I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit, like Lord, is this something we need to deal with? And the Holy Spirit's like, ah, that's me. Yeah. So I said, you know, I didn't want to say, well, sir, you're wrong because the Holy Spirit told me. Uh, I just said, I'm really sorry, sir, that you can't hear. Can I move you to a different seat where it will be less of an obstacle? Mm. And he said, well, that will solve one of the problems. The other problem is super disrespectful. And I said, sir, you know, Bill is well able 
to shut that down if it's disruptive for him. Right. But also, this is a man who loves revival culture, and he doesn't look off put by it. Right. So that was one night. Right. The next night, I'm back. I'm manning the camera at the back of the auditorium, and there's a woman behind me, and she's lying on the floor, and she is, again, rolling around, and she's like between crying and laughing, crying and laughing. She's not bothering anybody at all. But as I'm running the camera, something in my spirit doesn't sit right. Hmm. So I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do I need to do something? And he said, just kneel down and ask her if she needs help. And so I get down from the camera hmm. and I kneel down beside her and I say, ma'am, do you need help? And she stops everything she's doing and just bursts into tears. And she's just said, I'm so desperate for God. I was just thinking, if I do what I've seen other people do, I'll get what other people have got. Oh. So in that case, it's flesh, right? It's not right. bad flesh. No. She's just doing, She's hungry I think this is what and, you're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, It's no different than other people going to church going, I guess everybody stands and raises their hands for worship. I'll do that. Right, you know? right. But she was humble. And, uh, you know, so I got to pray for her and ask the Holy Spirit to come. But my point was, there's two different situations. You would have thought one is clearly not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's disruptive. It's in the way. Yeah. But actually it turned out it was. And this yeah. other person who wasn't really bothering anybody. And it actually looked like what the people were doing the night before there was a Holy Spirit, and yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. So just let's well, all retire from being the flesh police and I'm trying to work out if it is or isn't. A million stories like that. Like I yes. was thinking about one of the services that we did in Iceland where the kids were seeing angels and deaf ears were opened and all that kind of stuff. And there's one of the guys that was on the stage, I think he was supposed to be a catcher or something, had fallen over and was making so much noise. Yep. And you had come over and said, babe, like... Well, I'm trying to speak. Yeah. And he's behind me to my left. Yeah. And I'm looking at the audience, and the audience are not listening to me. They're right. looking at him. Right. And I'm motioning to you like, babe, he's a distraction. Yeah. Can, can you please get yeah. him off the stage? Yeah. And, and then I asked the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was like, don't touch it. I'm healing him. And, and I, I remember like, getting frustrated with you, like, you're leaving me out to dry here. And I was literally like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I persevere. Yeah. And I get off the stage. And I'm like, babe, why don't you help me? Yeah. And you were like, I think it was the Holy Spirit. Right. And then at the end, we end up finding out he'd had a physical healing with his jaw and all that kind of stuff. But he was also someone who was, you know, um, struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression and all that kind of stuff. Like he got a complete healing, like his, you know, no more depression, whatever. In fact, we saw him about six months later when we came back to do another school. And I did not recognize him right. because his face and his eyes and everything were so different that yeah. I literally was like, no, I know faces. I remember faces. I have never seen you. And he's like, I was that guy on the floor. Oh, my god! You gosh. know, one of the things that we were saying to um, the people that were running the school is, Typically in those situations, I ask, and then about a minute and a half later, I ask again, like, just Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And he may say, just leave it for right now. Just, yeah. you know, and so you, okay. And then I ask again, like, I don't sort of just leave it for an hour, but I just keep asking every couple of minutes, are we still good? Is there anything that you want to do? And whatever. And you're just partnering and listening. I bet I know where you learn that or who you learn that from. Um, Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what John would do. Yes. You know, well, and that's what they, they trained us to do. Like, hey, right. you don't have to freak out. And people you know? forget that when the revival in Toronto happened, it was just as crazy for everybody there than it was oh, for everybody yeah. seeing it for the first time. Yeah. But one of my favorite stories that John tells is, you know, he was asking the Lord about a particular manifestation, people falling down, I think it was. Yeah. And he said, Lord, I don't understand why you do that. And the Lord said, John, you don't understand women. What makes you think you'll understand me? <laughs> I love it. John told a story about how he nearly shut down the revival. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, you don't, if you'll just check with me, I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. So point number one is, I think, don't deputize yourself as the flesh, please. Yes. Point number two, I think, is brilliant, is ask the Holy Spirit yeah. and keep asking the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because he'll not leave you as orphans. Yeah. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yeah. And he will help you know what to do. Yeah. And I think realize that our own judgments and perceptions of about what revival should look like, about what the kinds of things the Holy Spirit will do yes. are also going to play into that. And yeah. so you need to be aware. We're almost always listening with a filter and we want to be sort of going, Give hey. Give me an example of that. Well, I keep thinking about, and I don't know if this is John or Bill Johnson or somebody wiser than me said, you know, there's the order of the cemetery and then there's the order of the nursery, you know, or the preschool. And both there's order there, but they look completely different. Yes. One's dead and the other one's full of life. And it may look like chaos, but it's the best kind of chaos ever. Because right? there is order and structure. Because there is order and structure, whether you can see it or not. So I feel like often the Holy Spirit is doing stuff that to us we're saying, but the cemetery is quieter so then I can minister properly and, you know, whatever. And that's, I think, in my experience, rarely how the Lord is actually orchestrating something. Usually there's it's more the preschool, you know, and it's very individual to to different people. So, I mean, I think you ask if you're leading the meeting, but you also ask like if you're if you're praying for somebody, Lord, what are you doing with this person? What how do I bless what you're doing yeah. with this person? Or if you're going, if you're if you're going to check something out because you yeah. heard about something, yeah. ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Don't don't come to your own conclusions. Yeah. I think it's just really important to not be the professional in the room regardless of and it, it makes me think about I think we kind of reference this a little bit at the beginning is, you know, historically, if you think about historical revivals, mm -hmm. it is usually the people from the previous revival that miss the next one because God does something just a little bit different. And they say, well, no, I, I know revival. I lived through revival yes. and this is what revival looks like. And that isn't what revival looks like. Yeah. But historically, God doesn't move the same way each time. You'll see elements yeah. that look similar, but a lot of people I think got tripped up in Toronto because they're like, no, like this revival is supposed to look like this, and it just didn't look like that. Well, I've even heard people say about what's going on in Asbury going, well, it can't be revival because there's not signs, wonders, and miracles happening. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah. Give it a minute. Yeah. Like, like, but that might not be what that revival is about. Maybe it's a prayer revival because my understanding is it started right. in a prayer meeting that hasn't stopped. Yeah. I think it's just really important to undeputize yourself mm -hmm. as like, the person who has to know what's going on. And, and it's human nature. We want to know because that's what makes us feel safe. And the truth is sometimes with with God, we just have to trust and we don't get to know. Often, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say walking by faith, not by sight means yes. we don't know. Right. Yeah. I think point number three would be don't despise the day of small beginnings. Yeah. yeah. It comes back to what you're saying that we have an understanding or we think we have an understanding of what revival should look like. And if it's not that, then it's not revival. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. God's so creative. He doesn't right. need to do the same thing twice. Yeah. And before revival is a full harvest, it's, you know, shoots. Yeah. And be careful not to, you know, break those things yeah. in your judgments. Yeah. Or be critical of it while it's still growing. And I think the fruit really is what's going to tell you what happened and you're not going to see fruit for a while. Like if you think about any kind of tree that's growing fruit. Yes. You know, uh, you're not going to, again, harvest the fruit for, for months. Mm -hmm. To sit now and say, well, I don't see any fruit. You know, it's like, well, it 
you know, maybe yeah. you need to wait a hot second yeah. and just see what happens and see what the testimonies are out of. Yeah. Or speak to the people of, who've been there. People yeah. speak to the people. What's the testimony of, of their life transformed? Yeah. But some people will have immediate fruit mm-hmm. and some people won't have immediate fruit that they can like, this is what God did. They just know, oh, something happened. Maybe they don't even realize what happened. Kind of like, you know, your testimony when you came back from Toronto the first time yeah. until until much later. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, wow, God, you did do something. I think you want to wait for fruit as opposed to like, well, this doesn't look like what I expected. Or, you know, it's it's in its infant stages. You can't really tell what it's going to be. John would describe that as the difference between taking a Polaroid and taking a movie. Yeah. He said, so you go to a meeting. Because again, oops, it's, you know, I don't right. like to repeat this because it's so critical. Right. But I've spoken to people who are like, yeah, I saw videos of it. It just looks like a bunch of people worshiping. I'm like, a bunch of people lost in worship can be the hallmark of revival. Right, right, right. <laughs> but the, what's happening is people are looking at a 15-second reel on Instagram. Right. Or looking at a Polaroid and going, eh. But you need to, you know, John would describe, you come come to one of our meetings, you see somebody screaming at the top of their lungs, you take a photo of them and go, yeah, well, that can't be God. Yeah. But have a video. What was their life like before? Yeah. What was it like after? Like record the whole thing. What was the impact of what happened right. in those meetings? Right. To determine what's going on. Yeah. Number four would be the importance of recognizing it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I'm almost positive that on Monday morning when we went to Legacy, yeah, and there's a room full of people, and there's people laid out, and you know they're doing worship, and there's another group of people who are just you know, yeah, standing around. and some that are crying and some that are standing. I guarantee yeah. that you're probably going to find two extremes. Yeah, one like, oh my gosh, this is the Holy Spirit. I hope they don't touch it, and we don't have to move into like classroom style teaching. Right. And on another end, oh God, this is making me feel so uncomfortable. I don't even think this is God. I hope somebody transitions this. Right. And what I want to say to both people is, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay to not be feeling what everybody else is feeling. Yeah. It's, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Okay to be Although, uncomfortable. Although, again, as humans, we don't like that. It's okay to go experience it and then review it later. Yeah. Like, just be yeah. okay. Because otherwise, we get ourselves in knots. Yeah. One of my, I have so many favorite stories, but one of my favorite stories that I heard about Toronto. Yeah. A brethren man, and I'm from the brethren, which is probably why I love this story. Yeah, yeah. So it's the kind of family of churches I grew up in, who would traditionally be staunch cessationists, so deeply suspicious of a move of the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. And this one guy went, which I applaud, he actually went rather than listen to other people's criticism, and he stood at the back of the church, and he folded his arms, and he was just like, well, this isn't God. And he looked at it, and he stayed for a little bit longer, and he said, I had this thought sounded like, but it never got finished. Well, perhaps it could be. And he said, I never got to finish. Perhaps it could be God (laughs) because then I was hit by the Holy Spirit on the floor. Right. And he would never have gotten to the second place if he wasn't comfortable in the first place. Okay. That makes sense. We actually have to be where we're at. Yeah. I remember my first experience of Toronto going there was uh, uh, an experience of just horror for me. And and let, let me explain what I mean by that is 
I I had been baptized by the Holy Spirit a couple of years before. I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't have terminology. I didn't have language for it. Right, because you grew up brethren. So I start doing all yeah. this research, start yeah. reading all these books, and I discover, what do you know? There's an actual move of God that's happening in my time right now. It just is in a different country, mm-hmm. in a different continent. Mm-hmm. This can be solved. I can buy a plane ticket. Yeah. So I save up all my money. I pray and fast every month. Mm-hmm. And before I go there, I fast for five days. Okay. All right. So if anybody's ready to receive from the Holy Spirit, c'est moi. Right. <laughs> and I show up to the mothership yeah. hungry, desperate, as open as I can be, yeah. and I can't feel the Holy Spirit at all. And worse, I think everybody's nuts. And it's hard to know if I think people are nuts because I'm not receiving what they're receiving yeah, or because I'm genuinely, you know, I'm just deferring my pain. But I remember one night... Carol, who at the time I didn't know, had gotten off the stage and she was, quote, throwing fireballs at people. And I remember just rolling my eyes like, really, people? This is how undignified we've got, you know? And other people were like, oh, it's great. And I'm like, okay, so now you're placating this nonsense. Mm, right? mm-hmm. Now, what I'm saying is very critical, but actually where I was was critical. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have helped myself by faking that I wasn't critical. I was critical. I was hurt. I was desperate. I was upset that they're getting touched and I'm not getting touched. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about God honoring where you're at rather than honoring what you're pretending you are. Yeah. Right? Sure. If you read the Psalms, David yeah. is often not a good Christian. Yeah. You know, he's saying things you yeah. really shouldn't. I'm reading Job at the moment, and Job right. is just laying out stuff. And sure. I think there's something about the authentic cry of the heart that the Lord loves. And on that particular night, I was heartbroken because I thought this was revival, and it isn't. It's just some crazy lady throwing fireballs. Right. But the next night I went to church, they did testimony times. And yeah. a woman got up and said, I want to share a testimony because I was here last night, and there was some lady throwing fireballs. And I thought it was crazy, and I was like, amen, sister. Okay, finally someone's speaking the truth. And then she said, I thought she was crazy until she got to my row and she threw a fireball. Mm-hmm. But when the fireball hit me, my deaf ear opened and now I can hear. Wow. And in that moment, I went from critical to desperate. I just burst into tears, just realizing the state of my heart. Mm. I wouldn't have understood the state of my heart if I hadn't allowed myself to be present with the state of my heart. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage you that when you're we don't want to be people who are valuing a move of God. But of course, you are called to discern the spirit. So I can't guess we right. do. But like right, when right. you're, if you go to Asbury or if you're at Lee University or if something is happening mm. and you don't understand it, it's okay to not understand it. Mm-hmm. You're not disqualified. Yeah. But just hold a heart of truthfulness and honesty and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves that, you know, Again, I'm not a good Christian because I'm not feeling the Holy Spirit like they are. Mm. Well, first of all, you don't even know if they are or not. Right. You know, they might be faking because they think this is what you need to do. But if we can just be truthful with God and truthful with ourselves, the Lord will really honor that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So what's number five? Number five, or the fifth thing I've learned, is that the Holy Spirit is robust. Mm. That, yes, in Scripture, he's described as uh, a gentle dove. Yeah. Right? And we're told not to grieve him. Mm-hmm. But also my experience is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Yeah. And we can grieve him, but a lot of the things we think we're going to do will grieve him are often superstitious. 
For example. But, t- okay, give me an example. Well, you give me an example because you told me this one. Revival breaks out at your small 250-person church. Yeah. But now thousands of people from around the world are coming to your small 250-seater yes. church and you can't fit them in. Yeah. You're violating fire codes every night. Right. So you move to... We bought a big, yeah. Well, no, you first of all, you move to a hotel, don't you? Yes. Um, but we what's everybody's concern? We were using a for the bigger nights. Well, is the Holy Spirit going to show up in a different building? Right. You know, right? Are um, we going to grieve the Holy Spirit yes. by moving? Is it something, or even with Randy, we can't let Randy go. Right. Tell that story. Well, I mean, th- again, I I don't want to tell it like I was part of the leadership. I wasn't. I was just part of the church. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was some level of like, oh, if Randy doesn't stay, because Randy stayed for like five weeks, like then what happens? Is the Holy Spirit gonna gonna leave? Is he not gonna keep coming or whatever? And of course, he did you know, keep coming. And I think it had more to do with the hearts of, you know, John and Carol in the church to host whatever this yeah. was until he, you know, until he was done. Yeah. I think with all of those things, again, it's bringing it back to the Lord and letting him talk to you about, cause it's, that's the voice of fear, isn't it? Fear. Oh, if you move there, he's not going to show up. Right. Or, you know, if you, if it's so-and-so isn't involved, yep. he's not going to show up. And, you know, so you, d- you don't want to be listening to, to fear and letting it, you know, write the write the story or write what you're going to be um, doing. So that's just fear. I also think, like in terms of offending the Holy Spirit, like there's p- plenty of stories, like your story of like this doesn't, this isn't God, and 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 still you end up with an impact. You know, I I was not happy at all when God showed up in our little church. I mean, not at all. You were making plans to leave the church. I was. I was sad. I was actually grieving. I was like, I had this nice, safe, lovely church. And now it's crazy. And again, I didn't want the order of the preschool or the nursery. I liked the order of the cemetery. You know, not to say that it was a cemetery before, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I I couldn't recognize God in what I was seeing. I, I was like, people are laughing during the sermon. People are over people are crying over there. There's somebody laughing right next to them. Like I can see people's feet up in the air, which means they're the rest of them is on the floor. Like I, I'm like, what what is happening? And as somebody who likes order, it, it it just felt really scary to me. And so I'm literally like, Lord, I I, I hate this. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want this. I want and to leave. I want to leave. And the Holy Spirit could have said, Fine, just go. Oh, you hate what I'm doing, yeah. do you? Oh, fine. Be but, like that. but instead I, I literally got stuck to the floor, like Velcro to the floor. Four guys tried to pick me up, but they couldn't get me off the floor until the Holy Spirit unstuck me and then I was totally fine. But I was stuck to the floor for three hours. And I, I mean, I literally was like, I don't know what's happening right now, you know, and I'm freaking out. And so in the midst of this, I get stuck to the floor. Carol comes over and she says to me, and and at this time, like, this is the very beginning of the revival, like three days in. And Carol comes over and she says, AJ, you need to choose who's going to be in control, you or God. Mm. And then she just left. And, and, and people now might go, yeah, like because you know Carol says yeah. things directly. Whatever. Then she really didn't. She was way like more. Sh- I mean, we had a relationship, but she she was not. You know, she didn't say things as flat out as that. But anyway, I I was like, so I just started crying, and I I mean, I'm lying there. I literally can't move a finger, and I'm like, Lord, I just need to know if this is you. And and Holy Spirit said to me, Have you stuck yourself to the floor? And I was like, and I just bawled. And so I literally spent three hours and I, I think I can't remember how long it took, but it took longer than I wish Mm -hmm. before I was like, okay, God, you can be, you can be the one in control. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and then I was able to get off the floor, you know. And obviously, I like agreed. I'm not leaving. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay. I was thinking when you were telling that story. When I think about like the Holy Spirit is robust, I remember I forget who told me it was an English Anglican vicar. Mm. It wasn't David Pitches? They had invited John Wimber to come, mm. and it was amazing. Like, it was everything they wanted. You know, John Wimber spoke as ministry team happened. People were getting healed. The Holy Spirit was there. And then John Wimber said, okay, guys, we're going to take like a 15-minute coffee break, and then we'll come back for a second session. And everybody freaked out, like, you, you, you. You can't do that. You because- can't do that. Right. right. He's here. He's going to leave. And he's like, it's okay. Right. And so they took a 15-minute coffee break. Right. And then when they came back, it just all started again. Right. I mean, I love that you say that we did nightly meetings for eight months. Yeah. Yep. Back-to-back meetings. Yeah. In Toronto for eight months. And then, and then we realized we need to take a night off so we can get laundry done. And buy groceries. And, but yeah. but will he be offended? Will he keep coming? Right. If we, and he, he was he faithful. He was fine. Yeah. We were allowed to take money. So the off. Holy yeah. Spirit is robust. Yeah. And I think we can avoid a lot of our worry and our fear just by simply asking him. Mm. All right, my last thought. It kind of ties everything. There's lots of overlap between them. But, like, I don't think you're going to be able to miss God if you're hungry and humble. Yeah, I think, yeah, tie it all up. If you don't come in like an expert, if you come in with a hungry heart to just, okay, God, what are you doing? And what is here for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and just stay hungry. I don't think you can miss God. No. And I think not just in terms of like revival meetings, but in life. Right. I don't think you can miss God if you're going to stay in conversation with him, if you're going to keep asking questions, if you're going to keep your heart soft. And deal with stuff as he brings it up and all that kind of stuff. I, I think you, you can't miss him. Mm-hmm. So, we're not experts on revival. Nope. We've been... In a lot of crazy meetings. We've been in a lot of crazy meetings. Yeah. And we're excited about what's happening near our house. We are excited to go check it out. We have not yet. And just in the last couple of days, I've just seen enough on social media that I'm like, okay, here's some things that you might want to consider as yeah. you're... Yeah. considering is this revival or is it not yeah we're praying for revival we're excited about god moving in america yes and let's not be experts yeah so good do you have a listener's question today oh i have a listener's question that you say that and i i feel no it's a scared. good it's a good question okay. my question is how do you lead people into freedom if they really have been tormented if they're experiencing torment I believe it should be easy, as God is so much more powerful. So why does it sometimes require multiple prayers? Right? And, of course, you've got some biblical examples of that. I think about uh, you know, Jesus praying for the blind man, mm. and Jesus is pretty good at healing the sick. Mm. He's got a pretty spectacular track record. He does, yeah. And Decent. yet in this case, the guy was like, mm, you know, I can see you know, men walking like trees. He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't perfectly healed. Yeah. So Jesus prayed again. So right. we might have to ask, why did Jesus need to pray for a second time? I think in one sense to encourage us to be faithful and sure. persistent in prayer. Sure. But then there's also the situation where the disciples, who by this time are pretty good at casting out demons, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he's met by a person saying, hey, your disciples couldn't cast out this demon. Right. And, and so Jesus delivers them. Yeah. And they say, hey, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus just offers them another insight. Hey, that kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Sure. 
And I remember speaking to Betsy and Chester Kilstra about this. Mm-hmm. Like, we did their thorough format, yes. the seven-day yes. healing ministry. And at the end of it, I'm like, well, if God is sovereign and God is good, why didn't he deal with all of that already? Like, we've spent years in inner healing. Why now are we getting to this? Yeah. And he used this great example. I forget the Bible verse, but it was a promise given in the Old Testament that when Israel was going to take over the land, the Lord said, I'm not going to drive out all of the enemies all at once yeah, because then it would be overwhelming for you. Like there would be so much land to, to manage and take care of. Yeah. I'm actually going to, you know, drive them out as you move. I will move them onwards. Mm. And I think in the instance of when you and I went and got ministry from the Kilstras, I think if the Lord tried to deal with that years earlier, yeah, we that... wouldn't have had the emotional maturity or the spiritual framework to be able to handle that. And it actually would have been traumatic rather than healing. Yeah, but it could be any number of reasons. Could be so many reasons. Yeah, and and it doesn't mean you did anything wrong by by praying. And it definitely doesn't mean that the person is too far gone and can't be helped. No way. I I think about one other example. This is not directly related to this, but it's an answer I've found helpful before. Let's say you're praying for someone. Let's say somebody comes to you and they need prayer for a headache. And you pray for them to be healed, and they don't get healed. Mm-hmm. But it actually turns out you didn't need to pray for healing. You needed to pray for deliverance because the headache wasn't caused by physical sickness. The headache was caused by a spirit of infirmity. Right. And God in his mercy is not going to heal the symptom but leave the demon. And so when you pray for healing and they don't get healed, and you ask the Holy Spirit, why don't they get healed? And he tells you it's a demon. In his mercy, he would rather have a demon removed than have you have temporary relief from a headache, but a demon's still present. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's all part and parcel of walking with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and getting insight. That last example makes sense. You look a little critical. I, I, you lost me for a second, but I, 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 I understood. Okay. Yes. If you want to ask us a question... Go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash ask. If you want the show notes for this week's episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 291. If you're going to register for the Finding Father course, and it is still February 20th when you're listening to this, go ahead and do that right now while you're thinking about doing it. Yeah, because classes start this Saturday, your first call. Yeah, so good. And if you'd like to become a member, which will give you a discount on books, courses, uh, trainings that we do, uh, lets you get video access to this and lets you get priority Q&A. You can do so by visiting alanandaj.com slash join. And a huge thank you to our members mm. who support this podcast. Thank you very directly. much. Yeah. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to being back again in your ear holes next week. Ear holes. Lovely. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.